0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Why Climate Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Holloway. And as always, uh, this podcast is being brought to you today by the New Brunswick Lung Association. Today, we have a very special guest. I will say this poor woman has had to put up with me for the last year and a half and us working together. And it is my pleasure to introduce Angelina. And I'm now going to pass it over to her. So Angelina, who are you and what do you do?
1: Oh, wow, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that one for a bit. Okay, um, well, my name is Angelina Kier. I'm from British Columbia. My home community is Sucker Creek First Nation in Alberta, where my father is from. I'm currently living as a guest on the unceded and unsurrendered traditional lands of the Way peoples. I'm a fourth year graduate student in the MED counseling program at the University of New Brunswick. I'm also the NITSI-Piliwijic Director of Programs in the Faculty of Nursing. My primary role is supporting the recruitment and retention of our Indigenous nursing students.
0: So, not much. You're not busy at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, not and I all. should
1: i should add on top of that, I do have three children. How could I forget them?
0: <laughs> yeah, a small part. <laughs> I, every time I talk to you, I'm like, how are you still standing upright? Right. So that then leads into kind of what started you on your journey working in, as the broadest sense, public health?
1: Well, my desire to work in the health profession stems from my experiences as a child, actually. From an early age, I witnessed damage to family structures that were caused by institutions that were set up to serve families and individuals. And so over the years, I've seen the domino effect, which has negatively impacted health. Yeah,
0: And and it's it's everywhere in the news right now, the sort of, especially in New Brunswick, the hospital closures, the lack of staffing. And I always make the offhanded comment. We saw this bullet train coming 30 years ago, but we were all like, nah, everything's going to (laughs) be fine. Let's just stand on these tracks and hope for the best. So. You mentioned in your introduction you have a, a focus on Indigenous health. So wh- how did you begin to start that journey focusing on Indigenous health and in some ways recruitment into the health profession?
1: Well, you know, it's difficult. I, f- I guess I would say it all began after, my, after I completed my under- undergraduate program when I worked as a community engagement lead for a health research project that aimed to increase indigenous high school graduation rates and increase indigenous enrollment in schools of medicine. And this project began before the Truth and Reconciliation Commission released the calls to action. And it was on that project that I really started to see the complexity of all the layers involved when we're talking about Indigenous health, and in particular within Indigenous youth and working with those populations.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, it is one of those, as someone who is not Indigenous but works, I always say around the periphery, not to solve, but just to, I guess, bring to bear things I can do to help at least alleviate those pressures like the wording is always complicated mm-hmm. it, it is a very complicated thing because you even think of like i'm um, at the new brunswick lung association we talk about asthma rates are increasing but they're increasing at even a greater folding rate in indigenous communities and it's not just you know bad air quality it's the mm-hmm. all those determinants of health that have brought up another podcast and those factors that make you resilient and all those things and it, it's mm-hmm. it's not just we need to build a hospital. There's other layers to solving this Rubik's cube. And I it, it's such a challenge for individuals like yourself. And that kind of leads then into sort of, we're all aware and more intimately than not, as we're recording this, a third of Pakistan washed away, you know, this week, climate change is happening. It's ever increasing. How do you see some challenges in indigenous communities that are not necessarily unique, but going to compound or impact their health compared to sort of the general population that individuals may not be aware of?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think a really good example of this was recently shared by Mi'kmaq Elder Mi'kmaqan for the Why Climate Health Mm -hmm. Professionals for Action on Climate Change Project. (laughs) Uh, You know, Elder Mi'kmaqan shared about the integral connection between language and the land and how language carries knowledge and ways of being in the world, which are connected to how we live on the land. And so, you know, it's interesting to think about, you know, colonization prevented Indigenous communities from continuing to live on the land in the ways they traditionally had. And climate change is added later to that.
0: A hundred percent. And I will put that uh, video in the show notes since uh, <laughs> the two of us were there when we were recording That's that right. lovely That's video right. that day. And it was yes. true, as, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, I've been having environment tagged around my professional life for 15 years now and that was the first time anyone has ever brought up around the table where I'm talking about just language and climate change which mm-hmm. is shocking and almost sad more than anything if we really think about it
1: absolutely
0: and that I, i'm pretty sure it will be almost the same answer for you but what is the one thing you wish the public understood between the between the environment and health that you don't yeah. think they currently understand and it doesn't have to just be an indigenous health issue it can be through your work, through the health continuum as a whole.
1: Yes. So, well, there's that language piece. Absolutely. Yeah. Which was new for me too, right? And I yeah. heard that. Um, that was the first time I really heard. Um, I don't know. I guess. Yeah. The, the, the first time that I really thought about it deeply. Actually. Yeah. Um, I remember
0: after we recorded, we were all sitting around having yeah. like a late lunch together. And yes. our jaws were on the table being like, none of us ever thought of this. And I think collectively we have 50 years of formal education together. right? (laughs) And we're all just like, how has no one talked about this before?
1: And, and I think in addition to that, um, what stands out for me the most is I wish people understood that food is medicine Mm -hmm. for our body and society seems to be operating at such a fast pace now. And so many of us are reaching out for foods, mainly packaged or quickly cooked not realizing that most of these convenient foods are actually full of toxins, which are harmful to our physical health, which then impacts our mental, our emotional and spiritual selves, leaving us in balance. And so food sovereignty, I think, is really critical for our overall health, which is dependent, again, on a healthy environment.
0: And it's one of those things, too, food is kind of, in many ways, my dad always calls it a universal language, like we build... Mm our memories around a table and sort of the things my mother cooked or your mother cooked. And yeah, some of my mom's recipes are not healthy. I'm never going to pretend her macaroni and cheese is good for you, but it is that sort of affection, love, the ability to cook together. And if that can't happen, as you say, other parts of your life are going to crumble because you don't have that anchor piece around you. So if you can't get a good nutritious meal, you have to, (laughs) constantly grab mcdonald's it's Mm -hmm. it's not the same and it's not a judgment Mm -hmm. because everyone's lives are busy and there's economic factors and all those determinants of health but it is Mm -hmm. one of those things where it is the tide that binds more than anything is food absolutely yeah so that comes then sort of leads into the next question which i think is really critical is Why do you think it's important, similar to what we learned with Elder Mi'kmaq, that everyone has a voice at the table when it comes to climate change and how they impact different communities, but in the end, the determinants of health? So, you know, why is it should not be done in sort of a gated garden where basically policy whips at a government level determine what climate change looks like?
1: Well, I'm going to put on my human rights hat and I'm going to say my perspective should be a human right. Perfect. (laughs) that we have a voice at the table um, when it comes to the environment and especially how it relates to how our environment is impacting our health. Because not only does it impact our individual health, it impacts our families, our communities, our nation, and our entire global family.
0: Yeah. And I 100% agree with you. We Everyone brings different perspectives that can help sort of solve this problem because it's there isn't a silver bullet available to Mm -hmm. us anymore. We've kind of past that. We're going to have to have a whole bunch of little things that help solve all these issues. Yes. So we're both lucky enough that we work with a lovely sort of intern student who sort of gives me hope for the future every so often. (laughs) Uh, And she'll hate us for even mentioning her in a podcast. But what gives you hope for the future as someone who is seeing not only Indigenous health concerns be brought to the Mm -hmm. forefront, but health changing and really working to sort of change the conversation around health in this country?
1: Well, you know what? It's funny. The, the example that just popped into my head immediately was when I used to work um, within the Indigenous Relations departments uh, for natural resource claims that impact Aboriginal rights and treaty rights. And what gives me hope is that there are Indigenous people and, and there's non-Indigenous people too. But in this particular example, Indigenous people working tirelessly to bring attention for the need for all of us to live sustainably. Mm. And those people that I always come back to, I, I remember just listening to their stories at the table um, and just knowing that behind the scenes, we don't see it generally in the public, but behind those scenes, those conversations are happening.
0: Yeah, it's it's when you give people power, they they tend to protect mm. and want to, you know, sustain and not lose our natural environment it is i like i said we've been working together the last year and a half so we have a whole bunch of fun together all the time but it is gratifying to see people and students be even receptive to the idea of talking about climate change and health you know where 20 years ago if i was to enter a classroom full of nurses they'd just sort of be like why are you even here And now they understand it right up front so it's those small changes i hope will make big impacts over time so we got through the the hard question as I've been doing with every podcast we like to leave on sort of a deeper dive into sort of everyone sort of like what are you as a person so the question is if you'd like to live anywhere in the world but I've kind of changed it since then is if you could visit or live anywhere in the world where would you like to go as we are approaching fall slash winter ever quicker (laughs)
1: Well, the truth be told, what's always been in my heart is I have always wanted to have an opportunity to live in my home community where my dad is from, um, but never had a chance to. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I will ever have a chance to, um, but it has always been in my heart.
0: That's the most beautiful answer I've gotten so far. Mine's usually like, yeah, I want to go to like Maui because I like surfing. Yours is like very genuine and beautiful. (laughs) Now I feel like a terrible person. (laughs) Uh, And that's why I love working with Ange. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking your infinitely limited time to talk to me yet again. I'm pretty sure after we have this podcast, we have other meetings coming up in the next few weeks. But um, thank you for your insight. And I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Andrew. It's been lovely working with you. And it's always a pleasure. The love- same for me. Hey.